Welcome to the show, Fairways in Finance. My name is Jeff Smith. I've been in the mortgage business for 16 years, top quarter percent LO nationwide. And you know, this podcast, we want to talk about your finances, how to grow and accumulate wealth and all things related to the mortgage industry. But we're golf lovers here as well. So we're going to work in some golf. Don't worry for my golf lovers out there. We got you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode today, please share it with anybody who's in your network. I'm working hard to grow this podcast and depend on referrals from from the audience like you. And I would greatly appreciate you helping me to spread the word and build my brand. If there's nobody who comes to mind, leave us a five-star review. That goes a long way in helping to grow the brand as well. Enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show today. This is going to be a really great episode talking about how to buy a home. What does that process look like? And so hopefully you're listening to this, making the decision that you want to become a homeowner. That is an awesome decision for a multitude of reasons. The first being that pride of home ownership. That's an amazing feeling, you know, to have a place that you can call your own, a home base, a mortgage payment that's locked in a landlord non-existent, you're the landlord and you can stay there as long as you want. So that that's the first, I think, and in, in one of the, the best benefits of being a homeowner is that pride of homeownership. You can get your, get your uh, Sharpies out and write all over the walls. It doesn't matter. You own the house and it's 100% yours. The second is a financial component. The average homeowner has a net worth 41 times the average renter, 41 freaking times. And that is a huge amount. And the reason is you get to participate in the equity appreciation as the value of a home goes up over time. So you think about like if an average, let's say over the long term, home prices go up at an average rate of you know 3% year over year. That's a pretty conservative number, especially in the Phoenix area. But let's say 3% year over year. On a $500,000 home, you're making 15 grand a year just in the value of the home going up. Plus, you're paying down the balance on that mortgage around five grand a year. So you're making 20 G's plus uh, tax write-offs. Um, that's a lot of money, you know, and that starts to add up. But when we're in hotter markets like we are right now, you know, home values in the fixed area are going up like 30% year over year, which is fucking crazy. But uh, there's a there's a lot of money to be made, and you can scale up over time into nicer homes for a similar monthly payment. So the financial aspect of it is huge as well. But let's talk about like what does that process look like? Because I think that's something that's uh, very overwhelming to think about for a lot of people. And uh, it's easier than you think. It just requires some paperwork. So if you're one of my people who's super unorganized, this is going to be a little bit harder for you. Uh, but the people who are more organized, it's, it's really not very difficult to get done. So the first thing that you want to do if you're going to buy a home is you figure out if you can get a proof of financing unless you're sitting on cash and you're going to write a check for it. And if you are, then good for you. Uh, you don't need my help. So you can go ahead and in the podcast here. Uh, but for those of you who need a finance, you need to talk to a lender and get pre-approved for a mortgage. So a pre-approval for a mortgage, we're going to do a few different things. So the first thing we do is connect with our clients for a phone call to go through an initial consultation. The initial consultation is like a 15-minute call where we're just gathering information on what your goals are, when you want to buy, what your budget is for what I call the most in- two most important numbers, your monthly payment and total cash to close. Um, we're going to talk about where you want to buy and h- how much you have available to put down and 
you know, roughly what your credit score is, what you do for a living, those types of things. And then we're going to send you a link to submit an application online, and you're going to have to provide some paperwork to verify your income and your assets. So generally speaking, we're looking at two years of tax documents. We're looking at two months of bank statements. We're getting pay stubs. We're getting, you know, if you have a pension, we're getting a pension award letter. Or if you have social security income, we're going to get your social security award letter. Um, so any accounts that you would use to go toward the transaction for down payment and closing costs, we need those monthly statements the last two months and all pages. And we're very picky about that uh, because that is a government requirement. We've got to get all pages. Uh, so we're going to have you submit the application online submit your paperwork, and then we'll run a credit report. And that credit report gives us your credit score and your credit history. So we look at the paperwork, your credit, what you're applying for, and then we analyze that and let you know if you're pre-approved. So when you get pre-approved, our next step is to schedule a consultation with me. So I'll meet with you over Zoom for one hour, and we're going to go through all the details of the home buying process. And I'm going to I'm gonna tell you about what uh, programs you've been pre-approved for, what the cost is, and how much it's going to be per month for a payment, how much you're going to have to pay at closing. Um, we're going to go through all the closing costs line by line. So you've got a great idea of what you're looking at from a closing cost perspective. And then I'm going to give you an overview of what the next steps are in the process. So that's called a pre uh, pre-qual consultation, and we do those over Zoom. So you have an initial call with us. You submit an application online and submit your paperwork. My team runs your credit, reviews all of your paperwork, lets you know if you're pre-qualified. They send you a pre-qualification letter, and then you have a Zoom consultation with me to go through all the details. So now at that point, you are pre-approved or pre-qualified. And there, people use those terms interchangeably. They actually technically mean different things. Uh, Pre-qualification means that you've had a verbal discussion with a lender. Um, they may have run your credit and they've told you that you're likely to get approved for a loan. A pre-approval means that a lender has run your credit. They've reviewed all of your income and asset paperwork, and we've run what's called an automated underwriting system to see if we're getting an approval on your loan. So the, the pre-approval is one step further than a pre-qualification. But what makes it confusing is in Arizona, we have what's called an AZ prequal form. The AZ prequal form is part of the Arizona purchase contract, and it is required to be submitted with an offer when you submit an offer on a home. Um, so it's called a prequal form, but it really is a pre-approval because on that document, it shows like what paperwork we've collected from you and reviewed. And it's very important that we're able to check all the boxes to show that we've collected all of your paperwork. So pre-approval is stronger than a pre-qualification. One thing that we'll do after that pre-qual consultation is take a third step, which is to submit your loan into underwriting for an approval. So we'll send your loan in, an underwriter will review the loan, and then we're able to issue a full underwriting approval on the mortgage, which we, we do for two reasons. One, when you submit an offer on a new property, uh, you can provide a AZ pre-qual form showing that you've been pre-qualified or a pre-approval letter. But then if you've been underwritten and approved, you can provide an underwriting approval letter, which is even stronger than a prequal letter. So it's going to give you a better chance of getting an offer accepted when you submit an offer on that dream home that you find. So getting the underwriting approval uh, gives you a better chance of getting your offer accepted and uh, it completes part of the underwriting process up front so that we're 
already halfway done by the time you go under contract on the home. The last thing is we've got a lock and shop program where we can lock your interest rate up front for 90 days before you've identified a property. And given today's environment where rates are rising so quickly, that's a huge advantage to be able to lock in your rate and protect yourself from further price erosion. So we'll have the pre-qual consultation, then we'll submit your loan into underwriting, and now you've got the opportunity to lock your rate. So so let's recap that. So you submit your application. Uh, we have the pre-qual consultation. Now you've been underwritten and approved. That approval is good for a total of four months, and then your documents expire at the end of four months. Your credit report expires at the end of four months. So now you're out shopping for homes. So you've got your underwriting approval letter. You're out with your real estate agent looking at properties. You find one you're interested in, and your realtor is going to submit an offer to the listing agent. That's the agent operating on behalf of the seller, and they're going to review the terms of your offer. So they write all that up on a purchase contract, an Arizona uh, residential purchase contract, and that has all of your terms for the transaction. So when you want to close, how much you're putting down, um, uh, like what the price is going to be, what type of financing you're doing, all of these different terms. So your agent will help you negotiate with the seller and their agent. They handle that negotiation part of it for you, which is why it's really important to work with a strong realtor because uh, the better the realtor, the better they are at negotiating. And the better they are at negotiating, the better chance you have of getting your desired terms on the transaction. So the, the real estate agent will negotiate on your behalf until you guys have agreed to terms and then you're what we call under contract. So once you go under contract, the first thing that you're going to do is write a check to the title company. So the check is called an earnest money deposit. And that earnest money deposit is a negotiable number. That's one of the terms on your contract, but it's generally 1% of the purchase price. The title company holds that earnest money for the during the whole approval process of the loan and during that contract period, which is generally about 30 days. So title companies got the earnest money. During the first 10 days of the transaction, that's what's called your inspection period. That's your due diligence period. You could cancel the contract for any reason during those first 10 days and get a full refund of your earnest money. And uh, during those first 10 days, you want to get the home inspected because you've got these first 10 days where you can cancel for any reason and get your earnest money back. If there's any physical deficiencies with the home, anything that's wrong with it that's a major issue, you want to identify that in the first 10 days so you can cancel and get your earnest money back. So your real estate agent is going to set you up with an inspector to do an inspection of the home. Uh, I, I generally tell people to plan on four to $600 for the cost of a home inspection. You'll pay that directly to the home inspector. And then they'll give you an inspection report, which is a detailed write-up of what kind of condition the home is in. And they'll point out anything that's majorly wrong with the property. They'll let you know about little things that are wrong with the property or maintenance items that need to be done. So it's a very comprehensive review on what kind of condition the home is in. And if there's a major deal breaker, then you can cancel at that point and get your earnest money back. If assuming everything's good on the home, now you're continuing to move forward in the transaction. So while you're going through this inspection period in that first 10 days, we're also starting the approval process for the loan. So if you haven't locked an interest rate yet, we'd have we'd be sending you updated terms and giving you an option to lock your rate. We would have disclosures for you to sign with an electronic signature. We would ask you to set up a homeowner's insurance policy to cover the new property. So you have to have insurance on the home to protect uh, and rebuild the property if it were to burn down like from fire damage or major water damage. 
Um, and so we're going to have you set that up. And then we're going to order an appraisal for the loan. So we're going to send an appraiser out to the property to give us an estimate of the home's value. We collect the appraisal fee up front at the time that we place that order. And the appraiser is going to go out to the home. They're also going to do like a high-level inspection of the property, just make sure there's no major issues with it. And then they're going to come up with an estimated value. Now, I always tell people, like, don't put too much stock in whatever number the appraiser comes up with in terms of a value. You could send two appraisers to the same house on the same day and get two different numbers in terms of what they think the home is worth. It is a subjective analysis, and it is not a concrete number. So if your home appraises above the purchase price, you don't want to read too much into it. If your home appraises for less than the purchase price, you also don't want to read too much into it because there is a subjective element to that report. But when it comes to the loan, if you're putting the minimum amount down for the mortgage, it has to appraise for at least the purchase price. Otherwise, you have to put additional money down or you have to renegotiate the price with the seller. So the number is important uh, if you're putting that minimum amount down. If you're putting more than the minimum amount down, then you're able to absorb a low appraisal, but it may affect the terms of your financing. So that's the appraisal. Uh, You get a copy of that appraisal report once it's done. And then we have underwriters to review all of the paperwork that you provide us. So all of those two years of tax documents and W-2s and bank statements, and we might get a blood sample from you or a firstborn child. Any of that stuff gets sent into underwriting to be reviewed by an underwriter. And they're basically confirming the numbers that we have on the application so that we want to make sure that everything that we have on the app is accurate and is uh, in alignment with what's showing on your documents. So our underwriting team reviews all that paperwork and then they say, okay, the loan is approved. And once we've got final approval on the loan, now you're moving forward through to closing. So when we go through closing, you're going to get a document called a closing disclosure, CD. And the CD has the final numbers on it for closing. You have to sign that document or at least view and acknowledge that document three days prior to signing any closing paperwork. And then we send the closing paperwork for the closing to the title company. So we send that, that documentation over to them. They'll schedule an appointment for you to go physically sign that paperwork with a notary. And at that point, we also have the number for your total cash to close. So the amount of funds due at closing for down payment plus closing costs. So when you close on a mortgage, you're paying your down payment. You're also paying closing costs. And that total between the two is what we call total cash to close. So let's just say for round numbers, your cash to close, total cash to close was $100,000. And let's say your earnest money deposit was $5,000. If you put $5,000 down up front, you'd have $95,000 remaining for your total cash to close. So that money needs to be paid to the title company with certified funds, either an earnest money check or a wire transfer from your bank. And then you're going to get scheduled to sign closing paperwork with a notary. So you'll sign 3 million documents, you know, the deed of trust, the note, which is the terms for all the, all the terms for the mortgage, um, all, all kinds of different disclosures that get signed in that process. You'll get a copy of that. You'll send your money to the title company. And generally, you sign a couple days prior to closing. So you might sign your closing docs on a Wednesday, and then the transaction funds and closes on a Friday. So let's say you're closing on Friday. On that day of funding, 
we're wire transferring the money for the mortgage to the title company. Now you've paid the title company your down payment and closing cost money as well. So the title company has a total amount owed to the seller. So they're paying the seller with that money. They're sending money to the county for any taxes that are due. Your first year of homeowner's insurance gets paid through closing. So the title company is sending some money to your insurance provider. Uh, they might be sending money to the HOA. Uh, they disperse out all the money that goes in different directions at close. And with our wire, that completes the total amount they need. So the step that the title company takes to make the transaction official is called recording. One of the documents you sign at closing is called a deed of trust. And a deed of trust is basically the terms of the mortgage that you've got. And it secures the mortgage as a lien on the property. It also gives the lender a legal right to foreclose if you don't make the payment. So the deed of trust gets recorded with the county that you're buying in. And once that recording is complete, then you are officially the owner of the property and you can take possession of the home. So your real estate agent can deliver your keys, which is the best part of the transaction. I never get to be involved on that because I'm uh, cooped up here behind my desk doing loans. But that is the best part of the transaction. And, uh, and it's the moment that you officially become a homeowner. So that whole process from getting an accepted offer going through to closing is generally about 30 days, but it's a negotiable number that you negotiate with the seller. So, you know, the seller might want a longer close because they've got another house that they're buying or, or they might want a fast close and you might be trying to close really quickly to get your offer accepted. It all depends on their life circumstances and what works for them and what works for you. You know, right now we're in more of a seller's market. So a lot of the transactions tend, the terms of a lot of the transactions tend to be leaning more heavily in the favor of sellers versus buyers, but we're starting to see the market turn. And so, you know, eventually that's going to balance more out where, you know, we're in less of a seller's market or maybe even back to a balanced market. And then the terms would be more, you know, even between buyer and seller. And we've been in buyer's markets in the past where, really the terms are favoring the buyers. You know, the sellers are giving credits to buyers for closing costs and other types of incentives to try to attract buyers. So it all is market dependent in terms of how that gets negotiated. But now you've closed on your mortgage. When is your first mortgage payment due? Well, mortgage payments are due on the first of the month and they start on the second month after closing. So let's say that you close in a, on a home in June, any day in the month of June, your first new mortgage payment would be due August 1st. That August 1st payment covers the interest from the month of July and only July. But if you closed in June, you're going to have some days of interest remaining to cover the month of June. So let's say you closed on June 15th. First new mortgage payment would be due August 1st. And that August 1st payment covers the interest of the month of July. But if you closed on June 15th, you would have the loan for 16 days from the 15th of June through the 1st of July. So we collect those 16 days of interest at closing, and that is called prepaid interest. And that's part of the closing costs that you pay at the end of the transaction. But then from that point forward, the mortgage payment is just due the first of every month thereafter. Mortgages are kind of standard in the way that uh, like late fees run. So you've got a 15-day grace period on a mortgage payment without a late fee. If you send in the payment after the 15th of the month, you're going to be assessed a late fee. And then if you don't, if you pay it more than 30 days late, then it's going to hit your credit. And then you know most mortgage companies, um, 
Well, there's a combination of some mortgage companies service their loans. Some mortgage companies sell the servicing of the loans, meaning that you get your mortgage from ABC Mortgage and then XYZ Mortgage is who you're making your payments to. That's totally normal. And when that happens, that's called a servicing transfer. And you would get a letter in the mail telling you that your servicing has been transferred and giving you the payment information for the new company that you're making your payments to. So that's the process for closing on a home. Um, There's still a few details that we didn't dive into on this podcast, but I'd be happy to answer any of those questions that you have. Feel free to reach out to me, DM me, send me an email, uh, hit me up online, and I'm always here to help. Would love to help you buy a home. Owning a home is is one of the greatest achievements of my life and something that uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to experience and enjoy and benefit from with the ability to build wealth through home ownership. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable information out of it. You know, I, I want to help to educate others and, and help people grow their business and build wealth. And I can only do that with referrals and your help getting the word out about this podcast. So if, if you come across someone you think could benefit from this, please share it with them and, and would love to help them as well. And if there's nobody who comes to mind, a five-star review would go a long way in, in helping me to, to grow this podcast and grow the brand. So appreciate your support.